Blasian sensation is back. I'm Jalian Yang, Ja for short. I'll explain <laughs> later. Last season, I was going by Karen. It's still me. People change their names. It happens. I'm Treasure Shields Redmond. Same name, same mission to hold space for the voices that mainstream media ignores. Who Raised You podcast is back, baby. And better than ever. We're the 2018-2019 <laughs> startup competition winners for the Arts and Education Council of St. Louis. They gave us $10,000 and office space <laughs> to transform the Who Raised You podcast into the Who Raised You listening collective. This year, we're creating a digital audio archive to combat our region's historical amnesia. We're bringing together artists, poets, and changemakers of all kinds to record stories of ordinary wisdom. Stories by citizen sound agents. Coming yes. to a city near you. Stay tuned at whoraisedyoupodcast.com. In the meantime, enjoy season two of Who Raised You Podcast, a traveling conversation between Jalian Yang and Treasure Shields Redmond as we explore how culture, family, and intersecting identities pave our way toward liberation. We want to know... Who raised you? Dig deep. We're finding our roots. Melody G, why we are this way. Because my mother cannot remember the churn of revolution around her, because she could never, even after six trips to China, find her father's ghost, she brought me there to help her look. Because she could not bring a child from herself, she brought one across the ocean and we are both immigrants now. Because she needed a child without memory of blood or hunger, she bought too much milk, only to realize a baby needs formula, only to try and save the milk by freezing it, only to have it thaw and separate like overcooked meat from its bone. Because I never felt the sea beneath me, because I was not carried across its back, but hurled in jet stream, because I was not running, I was arriving. She didn't know what to say when we first met. Because in every dream, she is a forest of doors batting against a forest of hinges. And in every dream, I am every wave shouting endlessly that I, too, have an old taste of salt. My eyes ablaze and my tongue rotten with it. Because she came by boat with her own mother... Now immigration is the only thing she knows of mothers and daughters. Because in China again this summer, she takes the flashy bus tours and stays in the most western hotels. Because in a name tag and hat, she can return and return and never return to where she was born, where she should not have to quarry the ruins of her mother tongue just to speak to strangers. Because now my hips are crooked, my belly soft and rippled from the girl I carried, I have done yet another thing she could never. Because I speak and she speaks, and neither can listen in the other language or silence our own, because without words, what would we then have to know? Today, Who Raised You podcast goes west. 
I grew up as a second-generation Taiwanese-American in Silicon Valley, and Treasure took her talents to Oakland as a hip-hop artist signed to MC Hammer's label. Shh, don't tell everybody. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're, we're not at our kitchen table, but we're still having conversation in a communal space. So we thought it was really important to go west because we have these different roots. Who raised you is such an important question, and I, it would just be such a missed opportunity if we didn't go to a place that in some ways raised us. Mm -hmm. So Treasure went back to a place that raised you musically, and I went back to a place that literally raised me right. as a child. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was amazing. I really uh, was riveted by the conversation that we had over this delicious hot pot dish that I had never had before. So Ja steadily, you know, opening my world every day. Um, and I have to tell you, we talked about immigrant parents, identity, ideas of home, hyphenated identity, the centrality of food in our cultures. And of course, we found out who raised these incredible friends of Jaws? So the people that we talked to were, of course, my sister, Jessica Yang, who's uh, located more in the Bay Area. And then uh, closer to Oakland, then we have Eli Chi, who's a wonderful friend uh, who does a lot of work in queer spaces with young folks, but also uh, hosts amazing, fun dance parties that I've mm. not yet been to, mm -hmm. but I hear um, they're really good with DJing. So he's great. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's also Anna and Brian. I went to school with Anna and Brian studying social work, and now Anna does a bunch of advocacy um, around uh, making sure that Latinx folks have collective power and the resources that they need. And then Brian's more in the education space. Oh, and shout out to my sister. She also um, does writing and she, mm -hmm. in, in the future, hopefully she'll have some books come out. Um, and she does a lot of thinking around how can we give people access to young adult books by people of color? Mm, yes. Um, and like I said, it was an amazing conversation. There was amazing food. It was so good to get back to the West Coast for a lot of reasons. And I think uh, we're going to have to make it to Mississippi at some point now. Uh, yeah, definitely. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, soul food of any kind right? is my jam. Enjoy. <laughs> Hello, this is Karen, Jialian Yang, and Treasure Shields Redmond. Where are we today, Treasure? We are at the Hot Pot Factory in Chinatown, Oakland's Chinatown, in the town, Oak Town. Um, hey, 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 hey. And um, uh, Karen is treating me to this wonderful food and company. And Karen, who else here? Well, so we have Anna on my right. Hello. Can you say a little bit about, you know, what, what occupies your time? Oh, uh, I am a social worker. Yeah. Is that, is that the question? That's cool. So me and Anna, okay. I, me and Anna know each other from going to the Brown School of Social Work. And right here is someone else I know from the Brown School of Social Work. Hi, this is Brian. Yay, Brian! Yay! Um, I can't see you waving. Yep, <laughs> Brian's waving to you all. Um, Brian also works as a counselor and also loves games. Both of them love games and potlucks. Um, and then I have someone very special, my sister, my one and only sister. She, she's, she's giving a look of like, 
I'm so disgusted. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, hello. Hello. <laughs> yep, that's Jessica in a nutshell. She's an introvert, I'm an extrovert. It's a miracle how we came from the same parents. And then we have someone super cute. Eli. Hey, Eli. Um, Eli, you do a lot of cool fashion and also dancing around, and you're also somewhat tender, shy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do lots of things. Uh, I do admin work by day for nonprofit, and then uh, outside of that, I throw parties for cutie pop folks and uh, do a little DJing now. Ooh. Um, yeah. And trying to get right. <laughs> trying to get back into performing drag. So we'll see. We'll see. Yep. That's right. So at <laughs> Who Raised Your Podcast, we recognize that everyone is more than what they do. And so we have our very important question, which is who raised you? Yeah. So we'll start over here, Anna. <laughs> no pressure, right? Um, who raised me? So I was raised by two Mexican immigrant parents who were undocumented um, up until I was maybe like nine or ten years old. Um, and uh, I have two older brothers as well. Um, so that's my immediate family. And I stayed with them pretty much until I was 19 when I left to Boston. Um, and I was raised in for two years by my uh, my aunt. Um, uh, her name is Tia Davi. Um, and she's actually not my aunt. She's uh, my grandma's cousin. <laughs> but you know, like <laughs> we're, we're, she's still my aunt. <laughs> um, so she raised me in, in in sort of like more of like uh, like the stuff that my parents really couldn't uh, really support with, like more like professional development and. Um, schooling and all that stuff, so she really helped with that. Cool. And what about you, Brian? Who raised you? Um, I was raised by Chung and Dolly Wow, um, my parents. Uh, they um, are two immigrants. Um, well, my mom technically is a refugee. She came over from Hong Kong in the 50s with her family and lived in San Francisco, Chinatown, grew up there um, all throughout the 60s, 70s, 80s, all that time. Uh, and my dad, who immigrated to this country in 1970-something, also from Hong Kong, when he was a teenager. So, Jessica, <laughs> I'm mindful that sometimes uh, the people who raise us are not always our biological parents, but also include those. So you can feel free to answer this question however you want. Who raised you? Well, first of all, the same people who raised you, because we're siblings. <laughs> yeah, but Duh. also, in addition, probably you because mom used to call you the little mom oh, <laughs> so <laughs> it was like mom and then little mom and then also I guess like a lot of books because I remember at one point when I was a kid I was thinking like I learned a lot of like morals like don't lie don't bully and I was thinking mom never actually told me that I picked that up from like a book <laughs> so it was those factors mainly so no surprise that you also read books diverse books and review them and also write things Yes. Mm -hmm. Who raised you, Eli? Um, so, my folks, uh, Chinese immigrants, immigrants of like Chinese diaspora in Cuba. So, they immigrated to the states in the '60s from Cuba. Um, and yeah, until they were born in the states. Yeah. So I would say they they raised me, and then also my mom's mom, my grandmother. Uh, she. Uh, like with us when I was growing up, like through, yeah, up until like, like until she passed away. But yeah, she definitely 
altruism as well. So. So all of these people um, I've known before, but this is your first time, Treasure. Do you have any questions for them? That have come up from the question conversation. So many questions. <laughs> um, well, you know, I got to go there with the immigrant parents. I think that is so interesting that everybody at the table comes from immigrant parents. And Eli and I were talking outside about this kind of moment of feeling like you need to find your roots because you've been raised in spaces where whatever your ethnicity was, it is not the majority. So I'd like to know from each of you, have you felt like you needed to travel to find your roots or center yourself more in your culture, cultural identity? Has that been a journey for you? Oh, okay, I go first. <laughs> it could be anyone. You could popcorn. Um, yeah, like I think uh, probably one of the first experience I can think where I'm like, oh, I'm actually not like white, or I'm uh, is when I was uh, kind of see like I think I really, I don't know if you've ever seen that like experiment with the with the two with the black uh, girl and then the white girl and then they like the dolls um, and how they choose like the white doll every time um, mm -hmm. and saying she's pretty and stuff like that. So I think I really had that when I was younger, sort of the idea that like the the white little girl with the blue eyes is like, and I, I think I not really sort of seeing myself as like. Mexican or like uh, even though like I spoke Spanish because that was my first language and like our family was always like we always did the very cultural like uh, Mexican stuff and so we so like that that part and was really there but I also felt like because I went to school and like mostly white um, schools and then like it was all English like from there I think it was like a little bit harder to sort of I guess cement my my cultural identity um, so then traveling or going to college and feeling like uh, I went to college in Boston mm. um, and also seeing that somebody, so my, my tia Gabi is actually, um, she's Mexican and she was born in Mexico and she came to the United States and had stayed for quite some time um, before and she was much older and so she was able to sort of show me that like you can live in like I guess be like your own cultural like person like connect to your culture but yeah. also be successful in like what you want to do um, and I think that was hard because there wasn't a lot of examples for me growing up that like hey I can like study psychology and I can do social work and I can do like I can get my masters and all that stuff um, but I also can like you know go to like cultural parties and I can like you know, enjoy like all this other stuff and 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 like eat like food that I really love to eat. <laughs> um, so Mexican food, um, and then also explore a little bit outside of that and like sort of enjoy other cultures as well. Um, so not only just Mexican culture, but also being a little bit more exposed to like Chinese culture um, and and all that stuff. So yeah, I think I had the experience where traveling actually maybe. It helped me identify my roots in a, probably the way that you wouldn't think. I went, I went to uh, study abroad in China for a summer when I was in college. Um, and following that, I did a couple of days uh, in Hong Kong. And that experience just kind of like, that was for me realizing that my identity is really grounded in American, an Asian American political identity. Um, and when I was in China, I was not feeling connection. I wasn't feeling like there was um, for me, I don't speak the language, I don't speak Cantonese or Mandarin very well. And that has always kind of fueled a little bit of just distance, I guess, between 
myself. Um, and, and because I was going when I was in college, and I was in college surrounded by progressive Asian American civic island organizations and students, and I think, yeah, the, the process of travel made me realize how much that America is my home and how much my connection is to this country. Um, and how much my identity is that unique Asian American identity, which is very different than identifying as, I think, you know, Chinese or um, any other um, Asian ethnicity. Yeah. How are you, Jessica? Oh. Um, well, I've always felt like super Taiwanese, and you know, I grew up in Silicon Valley where there's hella Asians. Uh, <laughs> say that hella again from NorCal. <laughs> NorCal. <laughs> but um, the one thing that I had issues with was that I grew up reading, and a lot of my favorite books were like fantasy books by white people, with the exception of Lawrence Yep's cool Dragon Monkey King series, which was the bomb. But outside of that, it was all like fantasy books by white people. And then when I went to college, I had I met a friend, Elise, who was like, oh, I'm so tired of these like white dude authors. And I was like, what is she talking about? And then she was like, oh, you should check out this author, Zen Cho. And then I read a bunch of Zen Cho's short stories, which she's like a Malaysian um, author based in London. And she incorporates a lot of her like culture and her like upbringing into her short stories. And they were incredible. And it was the first time I'd like read a short story that incorporated like different languages and like all these different like different cultures and things into them and it was incredible. So I was just like, whoa, mind blown. And then I like started doing like YA lit POC blogging. So shout out to Rich in Color. But yeah, so that was my thing. Yep, and uh, I, I will say Jessica may or may not have had a hand in the new Rich in Color uh, Instagram. What's the handle? <laughs> um, rich in Color underscore YA. And shout out to uh, Sorcerer to the Crown and Spirits Abroad by Zen Cho. Um, Jessica recommended that I read them and they are amazing. Mm. What about you, Eli? Um, I forgot a question and I was like so focused in on it. <laughs> thinking, I was thinking about what you were saying because I was just like, oh yeah, like I'd sue. Like, Speak back to it. Yeah. Um, things that I'm thinking about are just like really thinking about like uh, being raised in white suburbia mm. as well. In uh, Minneapolis, was well, it? No. So Where was it? I was born and raised in the East Coast. Okay. Um, in like the suburbs of like Boston and New York City. I was in Massachusetts and Connecticut and then Minnesota for like high school. But yeah, white suburbia. Mm -hmm. um, so definitely like, um, I don't know, I was just thinking about like assimilation. I was just thinking about that. And, like, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I forget. What was the original question? No, it's fine. <laughs> Do you feel like you've been traveling? Oh, that's right. Yeah. To, so uh, embrace roots, culture, yeah. find roots. Totally. I, I feel like, you know, growing up, I would visit my, so my grandparents, when they moved to the States, everyone eventually settled in New York City. And that's where my parents met. I was born there. And so like, we, I grew up going there and I feel like, you know, I feel like going to New York was very much, um, I don't know, a part, like really, like, I don't know. That to me was like very centered in like our culture, like going to Chinatown, being with the family, being with my grandparents who are more traditional in that sense. And so like, but that would only happen when we would go and visit them, right? Like live in that space. And then as I grew up, I mean, again, like going to school with all, you know, with all white folks. Even in college, I was in suburbs, you know, St. Louis. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it wasn't until I got into organizing that I really started to like seek out Folks and like, but also, yeah, I found myself traveling. So like, while I was living in St. Louis as an adult, 
I found myself traveling to other cities and like seeing all these like queer Asian communities and like you know the Bay. I mean, I was like, wow, visiting here. Um, and that's what drew, yeah, that's what drew me to move out here. You know. So the restaurant is very quickly wrapping up, but I have one quick question for everyone. Um, and that is, so I'm mindful that we're around Hot Pot, which is a really communal food experience. So I want you to name like quickly, like one food experience that you have that is just very community centered. I would love to hear that. Oh, okay. Um, so there's this thing called taco placero, um, and it's actually, uh, it's, it's tacos that are, you put like, um, what is it called, like the, the pig, like the, it's like, it's, it's like a really hard, like, um, it's called chitarrones. Mm -hmm. um, like and then, yeah, pork <laughs> there you go. Um, and then, uh, like, avocado, like, it's very, very simple. Like, you just heat up tortillas, and then you do, like, avocado and cheese and, like, the pork rinds, and, like, everybody just eats it. Like, that's, like, one of those, like, uh, dishes that you eat like in front of like the soccer uh, like while soccer's playing in the background and then you're like on uh, whatever day soccer, soccer plays uh, but um, but yeah so I think that that's like taco placero is like probably one of those things where I can remember like oh everybody just eats it and we all get together and it's like super cheap so I think that yeah I think that that's a big hit right there. I don't know about any specific like type of meal or anything like that I just think that you know and I really value having potlucks. Yes. That's something that we've always um, kind of found as our way of showing affection for our friends and people that we love. Um, and to kind of tie it back to like who raised you, I, I think that I, that influence for me didn't come from my parents. I mean, they obviously cooked for us and they cooked with the love. Um, but the idea of having people over and like, that, that's something that I got from friends in college mm -hmm. and friends in high school where it was just kind of like, I feel, um, I feel like this is kind of our chance to be able to be grown-ups a little yeah. bit. Yeah. It's kind of like this is our step into having adult relationships with people that we get to cook for each other. So. Yeah. Um, and I have I have good memories of me and my partner Harrison going over to the, um, one of their places and just having great potlucks and games and yeah. feeling that sense of home. <laughs> you have raised us as well. Mm -hmm. Oh. What about you, Jessica? I'm just gonna say hot pot. Yeah, hot pot. <laughs> And Eli? Uh, yeah, I agree. Hot pot. And also, I know I'm thinking about the, the the meals that we would have in St. Louis, whether it be like just like potlucks where we would just come together randomly and just bring food. Or make like dumplings. The, yeah, or making dumplings. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was so much fun at Julia's house. Yeah. Mm. How about you, Treasure? Well, you know, I, I wanted to back up just a little bit before that, before I talked about communal okay. food. But I wanted to share that like you and Jessica, I was raised in a place that was densely my culture. So I'm from the deep south, Mississippi. If you keep walking, you will be in the Gulf of Mexico. So it, it, is, Don't the do deep, that. it is the deep south. And so it was possible for me to handle all of my business throughout a day and not see anybody who wasn't black. Um, but what it also does is give you sort of an insulation where you don't realize systemic um, bias until you're outside of it. So like for instance, once I became an English teacher, a high school English teacher, I then realized that all of my honors and AP teachers were white. 
And it made me realize that at my high school that they were giving the best students, the ones who were, you know, readers and who would come to class prepared, to young, novice white teachers. And they were giving all the toughest students to um, older to the older black teachers. So yeah, that you guys made me remember that and make that connection. Now regarding food, food is huge in the black community. You know, it's. <laughs> I mean, the movies call soul food. Um, <laughs> so um, songs call soul food. So of course, you know, soul food spreads with greens and yams and all the traditional foods that find their roots in Africa by way of enslaved food ways are the, you know, my favorite things to eat, black eyed peas and, you know, all kinds of root vegetables and greens, so yeah. And for me, I'm thinking about my grandmother in Taiwan, our last uh, remaining living grandparent, and because um, we'll go to her place and it's like in rural Taiwan and she'll have this little spread for us and it means a lot to me because me and my sister don't speak Taiwanese and our communication with her is really limited. We can say, you know, where's the bathroom? Drink water, eat food, <laughs> that's delicious, I'm, I'm full. And so the food has become a way for us to kind of communicate our love for each other. The peanuts. Uh, the peanuts, <laughs> boiled peanuts that, uh, oh. that, she, that, that have been grown by yeah, farmers. Literally last time I saw her, I just like ate quietly next to her and then we just sat in silence while she stared at the wall and then she quietly like shuffled up and then like got, like got a jar, poured out some like peanuts and then gestured for me to hold out my hand and then pour them in and just kind of said something in Taiwanese and it was super obvious. She said, they're homegrown, eat it. And then I just like sat there like terrified, like eating it peanut like one by one while she watched me. Just, just old, wrinkled farmer wife who's just like raised so many children, loving on her grandchildren. These are not planters peanuts. We're not sponsored by them. Just homegrown Taiwanese peanuts. And with that, we'll sign out and we're gonna take our signature selfie. Yay! Yay. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Who Raised You podcast, a storytelling project brought to you by the Who Raised You Listening Collective, featuring media by artists of color in the St. Louis region. To support us, rate and review Who Raised You podcast on every platform. Visit whoraisedyoupodcast.com to book us for speaking and consulting on arts and storytelling projects. While you're on whoraisedyoupodcast.com, donate to support the Who Raised You Listening Collective. Put groceries on our table. We are the 2018 to 2019 Startup Competition winners brought to you by your friends at the PNC Foundation and Arts and Education Council of St. Louis. They gave us an office for this year, podcasting from the Centene Center for the Arts. If you'd like to sponsor us and have us share your products and services with our audience, let's talk about it. Email us at whoraisedyoupodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to partner with you and share your story. Connect with us on social media. Like Who Raised You Podcast on Facebook. Tweet us at Who Raised You Pod on Twitter. Slide into our DMs at Who Raised You on the Gram. On the Gram. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Say hi. <laughs>